This Hey-o. is Vinny v, the intern. We're going to spoil a fantastic war movie today. Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Um, but yeah, I'll do a little brief introduction. Vince over here in Mile High. For introductions today, boys, we're going to do the old favorite war movie of all time. Um, so yeah, I'll start it off. Dr. Strangelove's definitely up there, but it's it's more satirical and, and kind of black comedy. Um, but I think, uh, you know, there's Saving Private Ryan. There's all kinds of things. I have to go with another. Wow, there's Platoon as well. But I feel like I have to go with Full Metal Jacket, um, another Stanley Kubrick film. Um, it just seems like I like Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I really love the first half of Full Metal Jacket. Um, and I can't think of the uh, guy that plays like the – the base camp's sergeant. Arlie but my God. Me. Dude, nice. yeah. Yeah, it's so good. That first hour of that movie is fantastic. The second half of that movie, maybe not so fantastic. But uh, the first part where they're on base camp doing the training, uh, I just love it. And that drill sergeant is out of this world insane. I feel like that's how it actually was uh, back in the day before all this politically correct bullshit um, but anyways, that's me, Vince. Uh, let's kick it off to Pappy. Hey, this is Pappy, also in Denver. First podcast in Denver, season two hey, of Spoilers. Back out here. He's out here. He's a Westerner now. Yeah, I moved from uh, Minneapolis to Denver in the last time we've recorded. And uh, so, like I said, I'm Pappy, a kraut by any other name. And my favorite, more. <laughs> <laughs> nice, Pap. Uh, I mean, <laughs> that's tough. I don't. Can I pick Star Wars? No. <laughs> Is that a war movie? No. no. Favorite of apocalypse, apocalypse Now. Okay, that's a good one. I that blanked my memory as well. That's a good pa- one. Pappy don't surf. So. <laughs> I forgot. Pappy hates our troops. <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't um, announce as well. This is spoiler season two. Um, season two means nothing, but welcome. To spoiler season two. Uh, unfortunately, our good um, currency money Mike can't be on the uh, show um, tonight. But uh, Stevie, give us a little intro. Hey there, this is Stevie. I'm just in uh, Mishawaka, Indiana, eating ramen and drinking beer. American dream. That, that is the American dream, doing a podcast and eating yeah. ramen while drinking beer. And uh, my favorite war movie. Hmm. That's a tough one. If it's not War of the Roses, I would have to say... Hmm, pro- have you guys seen the movie Glory? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say Glory. Really good one. With uh, Matthew Broderick and Denzel and Morgan, all those guys. That's probably Dude, my like favorite one. Like eighth grade as part, part of like the Indiana State Board curriculum. Yeah, the movie kind of has never left my mind, okay. so okay. I'll just say Glory. Yeah. Great soundtrack, oh, too, to that movie. Mm-hmm revisit that cool well yeah let's talk about the uh movie at hand here um a brief synopsis off of imdb is an insane general triggers a path to nuclear holocaust that a war room full of politicians and generals frantically try to stop um that kind of sums it up pretty well uh just to give it a, a vince introduction it's it's a stanley kubrick attempt at humor and i think he does very well at it it's black comedy 1960s um, stereotypical kind of of black comedy like in Tyler the sense Perry. of <laughs> it's very Tyler Perry <laughs> yeah 
I thought uh, when I first watched it, I was I was wondering if it was like Tyler Perry's Doctor Strange Love, and I was I was confused when it wasn't on there. Um, but no, it's uh, James Earl Jones' first film, uh, who later played Darth Vader in Star Wars. Everyone knows that he was also Mufasa in in uh, Lion King, um, as well as what he played uh, in Sandlot, the um, old man with the big mean dog. What was the dog's name again? Hercules. Mm-hmm. Hercules. Yeah. Um, and he was also in, um, you know, every other movie until Morgan Freeman came around. Um, but uh, uh, it was also Peter, <laughs> Peter Sellers, probably best role as well. Uh, he played three different roles in this movie. Um, three main characters, actually. And he killing it he in the multi-part. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he played Dr. Strangelove himself. Um, he also played the president, which was named Merkin Muffley. And he played the uh, uh, Captain um, Lionel Mandrake. I think it was Lionel. Yeah, but it was definitely Mandrake. Um, Who was the British was, one, right? Yeah. I, dude, I think so. I don't think it was ever, like, specifically specified, was it? Definitely British. Yeah, I think he, I think he was part yeah, of, yeah. He played, he played a European. He was definitely European, but I think it was just British by default. Um, but, yeah, 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 probably British. Um, but, yeah, so he played, like, three of the main characters um, and, and did very well on it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think it's a really funny movie, um, and I guess I was reading up that <laughs> it was supposed to be serious, and then I think Stanley Kubrick pulled a little magic and uh, and made it satirical, kind of last minute, where some people weren't really in on it, um, still playing huh. serious roles, uh, as others did know and were playing kind of uh, more satirical roles, but um I'm spouting off. It's my movie. I love this movie, but I'm going to shoot it off to Pappy and just Pappy. What are your thoughts on this? Um, Is this the first time you've seen it? Um, As well as after you revisited it, if you did, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I know. This is uh, actually one of my favorite movies of all time. This is probably like the fourth or fifth time I've seen it. I started watching it in high school. Uh, Watching it now, though, it's been a couple of years since I've had a chance to watch it. And I really do appreciate the way they portray the chaos of our highest level of government and the military. I think it's actually really funny, but if you don't know what to expect, this movie can definitely blindside you. I think it was Stevie's like first or second time seeing it, so I, I wasn't surprised that he was a little surprised by the movie. But overall, for me, I love it. Uh, George C. Scott has a great performance, and also he's the best Scrooge of all time, if you want to look up A, a Christmas Carol starring George. But no, it's, it's a really good movie, and it's it's actually funny. I think it holds up, especially now, like during a, a big election season when we're kind of all making fun of those people at the top. Yeah, it's definitely a jab at the top, because um, like the plot of the movie is that this Air Force general basically goes off his rocker and goes insane and he orders a code that's supposed to be like a fail safe if the president's incapacitated to uh launch the nuclear bomb so this air force um general launches or gives this code to and and this is mind you back in 1964 cold war era um, where we're on red alert, if you will. Basically, th- there was, I think, an eight to 10 year period where we had B-52 bombers flying at all times um, around Russia borders. And maybe I'm wrong and maybe I'm on like an NSA watch list now. But no, I believe I read that somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that, uh, you know, um, and I obviously wasn't alive during the time, but, um, you know, times 
weren't as funny as portrayed. And I think Kubrick's main goal is to kind of shed light to that and um, did a very well, a very good job doing that. And I think I'm just rambling at this point. What was my, uh, <laughs> what was I trying to say at the beginning? Um, well, that's another thing I understand is like, if you're really on those B-52 bombers for 24 hours a day, how do they change crews? Like in well, the title no, sequence, they show them like fueling up the plane remotely, but... But that's not the only B-52 bomber. There's a bunch. A bunch around Russia. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. I, I, yeah, a, bun- a bunch around Russia. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Go. But, but no, yeah, it was a serious time back then. And um, there was definitely that nuclear... <sighs> nuclear... How, how do I say that? It's, Easy, George um, W. Nuclear. Yeah, George <laughs> W. Um <laughs> Anyways, yeah, there's definitely that threat or kind of looming fear and the, the, the poking fun at like the fact that a U.S. general, uh, Air Force general can give like the code that overrides the president to actually drop the bomb and start World War III um, was kind of the outlying joke of the entire thing that uh, one insane person could accidentally, not even accidentally, but like purposely do it and then accidentally start World War III. Um, but what did you guys think of the, uh, well, I think the, we still need to introduce Stevie though. Stevie, have we not introduced you? Well, I, thought I, we mean, did. I was eating ramen, but you can keep going. I, I, <laughs> I, I literally just finished the bowl. So go ahead and keep going. I'll, well, I'll, I'll interrupt oh, that might've been time. perfect. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> well, actually ask, ask Pappy what his thoughts was on it. Stevie, what were your thoughts? This is what your first time watching it. I watched it twice. Uh, okay. first time watching it. I made the biggest mistake I could make, and I didn't watch it thinking of it like in the time frame that it was made. I just sure. kind of looked at it, looked at it like a perspective from now, so I didn't like it that much. So then I was just like, "Well, it's considered one of the funniest movies of all time, also one of the best movies of all time." I should go back and rewatch it, and I absolutely loved it, especially the um, like the communist paranoia of it all. Especially yeah. with uh, George C. Scott's character, Ge- I think it was <laughs> yep. General Jack D. Ripper, Jack the Ripper. That was uh, uh, that was certainly Hayden. Yeah, that was his. Yeah. Yeah, just the communist paranoia of it all, and especially the fact that you're not too far removed from the Kennedy assassination, as well as the Cuban Missile Crisis. So, I absolutely loved it and thought it was awesome. Yeah. Well, speaking of Kennedy, I'm sure you guys have read this and. Anybody that has a computer can easily Google or IMDb this uh, alleged um, story here. But apparently one of the uh, – well, so, so like when they're flying – the B-52 bomber that has the actual bomb that's about to drop, the nuke, uh, the like, I don't know, main captain uh, of it. I, is that what you'd call it? I don't know. But basically he says, he says something like he's going through like your survival kit, which has like a gun, antibiotics, a bunch of drugs. And there's like jokes within it because I think the amount of – Antibiotics. Some yeah, it was. Yeah, and it was like prophylactics, uh, <laughs> boner pills. Yeah, it was like or like condoms. Yeah, it was. It was funny. Um, but at the end of it, he says, "A fella could have like a good time in Vegas with that, or something like that." But it was originally supposed to be Dallas, um, and this is 1964, which I believe Kennedy was in December of 93 or 63. Um, I could November be wrong there. 22nd, I know- 1963. 63. Yeah, there you go. Um, but it was 63. So this movie came out after that and uh, very soon after that. um, But they changed it to Dallas. Or excuse me, they changed it to Vegas Vegas from Dallas. It was originally Dallas. 
Um, so I thought that was a, a pretty unique kind of thing. But yeah, putting the scope of the movie um, when you watch it now in 2016, I, I still think it holds up because, you know, Rush has been um, definitely in the news uh, with the whole, um, what was it, Crimea? Yeah, whatever. This is a political show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the annexation of Ukraine. <laughs> well, which was, uh, that was Crimea, right? The like yeah. little part. Crimea Peninsula, yeah. Crimea? Yeah, yeah. Crimea yeah. River, yeah, exactly. But so yeah, they're back in the news of 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 being military, blah blah blah. Um, but anyways, um, so they changed it because of the Kennedy assassination, though specifically. That for is that what I've read. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, specifically because of that, which Dallas is pretty obscure to put in there. That's kind of funny. There were similar things that happened around nine eleven, right? Like that movie, The Sniper, or whatever, where that guy was in the uh, yeah phone booth that got delayed. It's 9/11. Wait, yeah. do you mean the movie Phone Booth or no? Phone Booth, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, yeah. Spider Man, they had to redo a lot of that. Sorry, I didn't mean to derail you there. But. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I think I've gone on seven stories that I haven't been able to finish yet. <laughs> I'm not really sure where I'm going with that. I mean, what did you guys think of like just the overall theme of it? Because the first time I watched it without knowing that it's supposed to be a comedy, it was kind of confusing. But I've, I've seen this movie plenty of times, at least twenty times, I would say. Um, and the more I see it, the funnier it gets. But like Stevie, especially this was your first time viewing it, right? Right. For this, for the, yeah. So obviously you said like the first, you weren't really catching that or not that you didn't catch it, but like you weren't really thinking of it as the lens of 1964. Yeah. Um, but I mean, was it a shock to see, or not a shock, but I, I guess what was your take? Well, when you guys said it was it, funny at first, I thought it was going to be kind of more obvious. I thought a lot of the jokes were really subtle and kind of just, uh, I wouldn't say like, like we were talking about this earlier, it wasn't slapstick. It was just more, yeah. I don't know, kind of just, uh, you kind of had to catch it if it was there. Pieces are profession, man. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. That was on the wall of uh, the British Air Force guy, right? Which was also well, it was like posted several places throughout the base. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, to me, it's it's funny, but like you have to take it from the black comedy lens. I mean, like one of like the biggest jokes of the whole thing is how stupid the government is, and I know it's supposed to be like a characterization of you know, haha, these people aren't really all that smart, but they are fucking dumb in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, just, like, insanely stupid. Like, why would you ever create a bomb that you can't deactivate? You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely dumb. And the, <laughs> the more I watch it, the more that they're definitely making all these characters purposely unintelligent to, to the point of, like, caricatures. Um, and apparently, I mean, we've talked about George C. Scott several times. Um, I've also read, and I think maybe off IMDb, uh, maybe on uh, another, I should start citing my sources, but <laughs> that, I know, right? Uh, that, uh, that Kubrick told them that, like, just take some outlandish uh, takes, and apparently he only put the most outlandish, ridiculous takes that George C. Scott did into the movie. Um, I think when I was speaking earlier, there's that, that one uh, scene where he's like tripping over himself and like trying to point at the big board. He fell <laughs> over, then he got up. And he said, "Look at the big board." And he was talking to the uh, president. Uh, it's Rick and yeah, <laughs> so hilarious. The big board. They'll see the big board. Yeah, yeah. So, um, 
apparently like his goofy scenes he did not approve of and Kubrick was kind of like so what they're going in and uh George C. Scott swore to never work with him again um and he didn't he never did um but he later uh went back and said that uh basically paid respects to the movie and said like it was a great movie um I give my nod to it but yeah basically uh essentially Kubrick kind of played him into giving him like making him goofy like not on purpose without him knowing i suppose so i mean i thought that i thought his parts were funny but and like call me a fucking idiot but i mean i didn't think that the actual character of dr strangelove was that great or funny like he was kind of like a buzzkill at the end of the movie to me i don't know what you guys thought what do you mean by buzzkill then i mean like he's (laughs) Playing this like n- former Nazi, which I guess is kind of funny. Funny in but... itself. Yeah, I don't well, that's know. That's a real thing in 1964. A plenty of former Nazi scientists came over to the United States, a seeking haven, then like post-war for other reasons, I suppose. Yeah, I guess so. But our the characterization of those people in this movie is literally a crazy Nazi in a wheelchair. <laughs> like, it's... <laughs> yeah, it's completely obvious. Yeah, it's Why not was a, his body not, like convulsing at the end? I don't know. <laughs> no one Can knows. anyone explain that to me? I thought I was missing something. Or his uh, black hand with the glove. <laughs> he kept switching the cigarette back and forth between them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it was uh, just to show like a neurotic character. I don't know. My favorite parts of this movie were at the beginning when this whole conflict is getting set up. I thought that was really funny. And, you know, of course, there's no fighting in the war room. Classic movie quote, but... Yeah. <laughs> there's no fighting There's in the no war spoiling room. in the spoilers room. That's for sure. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> That's 100% not true. Yeah, there's there's plenty of good, uh, good comedic moments. Um, obviously, there's that famous scene where... Um, shoot, I need to look up his name. I'm on the IMDb page here. Um, the guy that flies the plane. Slim Pickens? Slim Pickens, yeah, Slim Pickens. I never um, where knew he that li- was a person until yeah. I watched this. I never knew that was an actual person until I watched this movie. It's a real human being. That's his name. <laughs> I thought, it just, I thought like Slim Pickens just meant like you don't have much to choose from. Dude, how can that be his real name? I see that it's listed on here as his name, but how can... It's his real name. I also think the expression... Is separate of his name. It, it so doesn't come from him. Slim Pickens but. spent the early part of his career as a real cowboy, <laughs> and the yeah. latter part of his career playing cowboys. <laughs> so he was like Wyatt Earp. Sounds like he's a Wyatt Earp. Yeah, Renaissance exactly. he's man. <laughs> a real American hero. Um, but yeah, he played uh, Major King Kong, is what they called him. But he was basically the the, the head pilot of the B fifty two bomber that was. That was carrying the nuke that was going to be dropped at the end. Um, but he's in that famous scene where he rides. Well, basically, the uh, it's almost like a revolver, how B-52s hold the the the, the bombs. I, I was actually watching a lot of videos on it because I was interested about how big these planes were. And uh, it's kind of like a revolver in a sense. But in the movie, it gets jammed. So he's like, screw it. I'm going to go down and figure it out. He goes down there and... Uh, he can't, f- or he figures it out, but he's basically riding the bomb. I think it's, it's almost like a suicide bombing in a sense. But he rides the bomb down, whipping his cowboy hat the whole way down, 
that's an awesome, famous scene that uh, has been parried, parodied many a times. Um, I think it's parodied once or twice. It's definitely parodied once in The Simpsons. Um, I think it's uh, parodied in uh, um, Super Bad, where uh, Jonah Hill's drawing the dicks. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I never connected that. Ball. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's at the very end of the movie when they're showing all the drawings of the dicks that he drew because, you know, like 8% of kids actually have that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's parodied all over. Basically, any cartoon is going to parody it because it's easy to do. Um, and then, uh, you know, it, it's all over. But uh, that's a famous scene that's worth mentioning probably, and worth just watching. If you You've probably seen a gif of that at some point, for sure. <laughs> if it's a or guy shooting a nuclear missile. Yeah. <laughs> and a if, you slim if you're a fucking asshole all right let me just put it that you, way i don't even mentioned this slim pickens went on to play the sheriff in blazing saddles too oh yeah mother of you, god yeah you might know <laughs> yeah that's his second listed uh, uh movie on imdb tagger was his name in that movie blazing saddles yeah yeah but um also did you guys catch in on the uh, like sexual references in this movie there was a lot of them and I think some of them are on the nose, like supposed to be funny, and also some of them are supposed to be kind of more obscurely funny. Uh, did you guys catch in catch any of those? Yeah, yeah. Well, like for instance, Maybe. like the beginning of the nope. <laughs> well, nope. Well, yeah, I mean, like yeah. So you have the uh, at the beginning, the general's banging that girl who's at least thirty years younger than him. Well, yeah. That's, That's kind Buck, of funny. Buck Turgidson, uh, George C. Scott, yeah. And he and he got the call and he was about to leave. I'll be back before you can say blast off. And he said it like really kind of almost creepily. Um, well, I like how uh, even though like that the female character was very sexualized in that position, she was also kind of like playing it smart because she was taking whatever her dumbass general boyfriend was saying and making it politically correct and like translating <laughs> it. So like even though she was like very in this true. objectified yeah. role, she was like still being smart. You know what I mean? <laughs> No, I'm definitely. sorry. Like, can you call back in a minute? <laughs> He's like, he's in the washroom or something. Yeah, yeah. it was yeah. really good. But yeah. then the uh, that general comes back, and at the end, where it's like uh, ten women for every man or whatever, man. Mm -hmm. I, I guess that was sort of a commentary on men in the government, but I don't really know for sure. It was funny. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's also that scene that was just opening the film, um, which was like a feel craft. Like, have that nozzle going into the B-52 to refuel it. Oh, interesting. Wow. It's like it's a sexual image. Absolutely. I mean, that's a real thing that planes refuel other planes, yeah. especially uh, ones that are in, like, 24-hour surveillance or whatnot. But, yeah, I, I mean, just think about it. It was like a big, long rod going into, yeah. So that, that's supposed to be another, like, sexual thing. Um I feel like there was others, but obviously just going to the war room, there was not a single woman in the war room. Um, but also, also this was 1964. So I don't think that was like incredibly <laughs> not, I don't know, standard. But So here's the yeah. question I have. And, and I didn't do my research. So I'm asking you guys like a lazy prick, but w is there any rationale bet behind why, Kubrick chose to shoot this in black and white. I mean, obviously it was 1964, so color was available. But huh. why? Yeah, that? I haven't read anything about that. Well, it's easier so to shoot in black and white as far as lighting goes. 
Mm-hmm. But I thought the lighting was phenomenal too, especially like the uh, the war room battle piece scenes. Like yeah, in the war room on the plane, like they were really good. And the whole the whole big board is made from like a lighting practical effect. I just thought yeah. it was because of the year. I didn't really take into the fact that he could do it in color. It could be, yeah. I just, I, I mean, it's nineteen sixty four. It was available to him, but maybe he just felt more comfortable doing it in black and white. I don't know. That's a really good point. I've never actually thought about that because he he's done two or three movies before that. There was Spartacus. There was uh, Lolita. Both of those um, were in color, right? Yeah, Spartacus. Yeah, both of those were in color. And then before that was Paths of Glory, which I think was black and white, but that was like 1956, 57, something like that. Um, so, I mean, assuming that was an intentional yeah. choice, did it add to the movie for you? I mean, I guess it gives it more of that World War II feel, which is what it was yeah. going for. But. Well, it was more like Cold War, which was, and I, I'm dating myself because I don't know history, <laughs> uh, but... Uh, <laughs> It was it was like 1950s was Cold War right and this was 1964 when this came out. Yeah, right yeah. after the end of World War II. Yeah. Wait, the Cold War was right after the World War II. Is what you're right. Saying. So mid mid 40s yeah. to probably Reagan. 50s. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, not Reagan. Probably... 80s dog. <laughs> no, I mean I think the Cold War ends with the tearing down the Berlin Wall, but that's way oh, beyond the point yeah. of. <laughs> Right, at, right after the U.S. won gold in hockey, Cold War ended. I think at that moment, yeah. Anyways, what's the Cold War? Never heard of it. What's Vietnam? Never heard of it. Um, but uh, what's Korea? Never heard of it. Um, but uh, yeah. So yeah, the fact that he shot it in black and white, I'm not sure. I don't think it takes away from the film at all. If anything, it adds to it. But yeah, it's tough looking back because, you know, we were all born um, Gen Y, you know, uh, and so we've always had color. Um, so when I first saw this, I'd never even thought that, oh shit, color was available to him, uh, to use. So I don't it's know. Interesting. It's an interesting choice. Very yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I would actually, I, <laughs> I wish I would have done my research cause I'm actually going to look up after this, if there's any kind of theories on it or maybe any kind of articles or interviews, um, or maybe he's explained why he used that shoot. But yeah, there's so much to that is there, there's also the point of like, America having allies, but also being paranoid with them, because there was the Russian abas- ambassador that uh, uh, Buck Turgidson was <laughs> absolutely insane about letting him into the war room and, and trusting him. Um, so I think that was kind of some commentary on on we have allies, but when it comes push push comes to shove, America calls the shots. I feel like that that was my take on that at least. I don't know. For sure, yeah. And uh, actually, just to follow up, I'm reading an, a blog post, so you know it's real, by so it's ele- yeah. by eloquent at typepad.com. I bet she paid yeah, that for that legit. address. That's a really good website. But uh, so it's she legit. says, Seems using legit. a well-crafted, formalistic, classical, dramatic paradigm, director Stanley Kubrick has painted a metaphorical world of black and white, morally speaking. And then she goes on to circle jerk her own intelligence. But what her whole point is, is that <laughs> the pe- the characters in the movie <laughs> see themselves in a black and white world, capitalist versus communist, you know, Ruski versus American, and that the distinct colors, black and white, lend itself to that theme. Well, that's pretty interesting. So, 
That's a good theory, I suppose. Eloquent at typepad.com. Yeah, Maybe I'm going to send her an email for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let her know how I think about that. Um, yeah, no, I, I like that. I like so that. who was your guys' favorite character then in the whole film? Ooh. Pappy, you go first. Putting you on the spot. <laughs> oh, I mean, I would definitely say, uh, who was the general who shot himself? Uh, Jack, oh, wow. Jack, 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 Jack D. Ripper. Ripper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, played by Sterling Hayden. Yeah. I think that performance is brilliant. And I love how the whole time when he's uh, next to Peter Sellers, he's just this American force next to this sort of British passive... Uh, polite <laughs> army yeah, guy. That was one of my favorite parts. Great. There's this great juxtaposition between them. He's like, "Sir, I must ask you to unlock this door and give me your gun." Like that kind of stuff. It's like, <laughs> yeah. he's not going to do that. And then his character just devolves into this person who's obsessed with fluoride in the water. I don't know. His character is great to me and central to the whole plot. Hell yeah, Stevie, favorite character. I definitely. I mean. Favorite character, I'd probably say, uh, was it Mandrake? Like Pappy said, that, that would be Peter Sellers, yeah. um, British general. Yeah. I think my, yeah. Favorite, my favorite part of the whole movie is kind of Mandrake's going to a protocol on how they're going to solve this and how they're going to pull the boys back from the fail safe. And Jack D. Ripper just kind of, he's rambling and looking off and he goes, You ever been a POW, Mandrake? And Peter Sellers just keeps on talking. He goes, Wait, what? <laughs> There's like this great break. I mean, that's probably my favorite part of the whole movie where I just busted up laughing. But that I was say, great. Yeah, favorite character, Mandrake. Nice. Um, my favorite character is probably... Well, okay, so Peter Sellers played three roles, three main roles, so I just got to tip my hat to him, but he's not my favorite character. I think George C. Scott's Buck Turgeson. Um, being like a high-level military general that's allowed in the... When a nuclear bomb's accidentally been activated... Like, as that role, his incompetence as well as, like, <laughs> his like, his general, like, I mean, he was he was into that, like, we win, we win kind of, I don't know. It just, his incompetence was hilarious, as well as one just my, how he played it. One of my favorite speeches of the whole movie is when he's delivering the bad news to Peter Sellers as the president. And it's just yeah. hilarious, because it's like 10 minutes of, well, there's this. And we can't stop it because of that. And we're all <laughs> fucked, basically. When he's talking to like, uh, the the Russian president? Uh, no, it's when it, I think there's like a moment where he's breaking it down for uh, President Merkin Muffy. Yeah. Yeah, or he's no, like it's, breaking uh, it. Merkin, yeah, Muffley. Yeah, yeah. Well, who yeah, he's like breaking rule? it down. You did, sir. <laughs> you did. If, if you recall, sir. You... <laughs> like, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely know you're talking the president about. Yeah, that was States. a good part. Well. <laughs> <laughs> the way he chews his gum the entire time, just like. Just smacks it, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can see his, like, temples moving. <laughs> that the way he says Ruski. <laughs> the Ruskies. This is the most proud American in the room. I lo- yeah, he was a great character. Great character. And then I also uh, want to give a uh, nod to Gilbert Taylor, who was the cinematographer of the movie. Um, as far as, like, it was a funny movie, but the shots were amazing. Um, they really emphasize kind of what was going on throughout the entire movie, uh, from the B-52 bomber to the war room 
um, to the Air Force Base. Uh, every shot was on point. And Gilbert Taylor also was cinematographer for Star Wars, the original, um, A Hard Day's Night, um, and, then, and then Doctor Strange, though. Those are like three of his wow. top ones. Pretty good. Holy resume. shit. Wow. Yeah. That's not a bad resume. Yeah. So uh, I, I definitely want to give him a shout. He, he did a great job. And I think a lot of, of filmmaking, you know, has a lot to do with the acting, has a lot to do with the writing, um, directing, whatnot. But uh, the way you frame those shots, and 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 have the lighting and whatnot and have it go um he killed it he killed it he killed it so yeah good job there Um, well that's one of the uh, best things about this movie is like you can definitely watch a classic film in all respects but it also doesn't feel boring yeah you know what i mean like it's a good movie like you're not gonna be bored the themes are constant to the day but you're gonna watch a classic piece of cinema and it's pretty easy to do yeah, I like how you say the themes are constant to today. Or uh, yeah, because they certainly could be reconstructed in a 2016 atmosphere. But please and... don't remake this. Please. <laughs> oh my God! No. Yeah. If, if anyone makes it, please just die before you Who's finish it. For the Lion King remake. Doctor Strange loves starting. The second Eddie Lion King or the third one? They've already made it, right? They're making a live-action Lion King. Oh, I'm good. Sick the guy uh, who did Jungle Book is directing it. Jangle, Jangle Back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we know how much we love Jangle Back. Um, ugh, ugh, yeah. It's a yeah. lost episode of spoilers if this is your first episode. A very, we never very lost that? episode. Often referenced, but never listened. By the eyes. <laughs> did we ever publish that? Oh, Hell no. no. It's in the vault. Oh, oh gosh, that's vaulted. That's Elaine Bennis vaulted. You don't want to go there. Uh, cool. Well, yeah, I think we uh, kind of talked about it here, but does anyone have any kind of last maybe thoughts before we uh, transition into trivia? None for me, other than see this movie if you haven't. Season two? Yeah, definitely watch this movie just for Peter Sellers alone. Oh, shoot. So we haven't done yes or no, and you guys basically just both said yes. I'm going to say yes. Yes, yes. Stevie, just say it for uh, good time's sake. Or say no, your choice. <laughs> yes. There we go. Yes here as well. Um, unanimous. Yeah, if you haven't seen this movie, you definitely should. Uh, film fans see it. Movie fans see it. Comedy fans see it. War movie lovers see it. I think anyone that can see it would enjoy it. It's, it's a good movie. Um, if you're a I big that- fan of the American military-industrial complex, maybe you'd skip this one. It might <laughs> <laughs> may get too close to home but also it might be the funniest thing ever you never know if, if you yeah. have a good sense of humor this might be for you yeah i don't know um but yeah so that's three yeses uh and, and it's a it's a definite must see um but yeah let's go into trivia and let me open up my uh my question on evernote here so they change evernote evernote we love you we would love to have you on the show sometime mr evernote um, the application, just the application. Uh, but it used to be free unlimited on all devices, and now you're only to two devices for free. And granted, I am using your for free and your fantastic service. Um, kind of a bummer. I have to bring it up with my phone. Otherwise, I would have it up on here. But anyways, there we go. Got it. Um, Evernote would love to have you. Um, but anyways, I'm going to throw out the question. Uh, then I'm going to give you a little uh, 
um, rundown on the question, and then uh, we'll go um, Pappy first, Stevie second, and we'll do closest to. It's kind of a number thing. Yeah. Here's uh, the trivia question. Jesus. Hi, wait, close, like Price is Right or just closest? Closest to. Okay. Closest to. I can uh, fuck with that. Don't answer. I'm going to ask a question and give like a rundown of, of what it is in a sense. Um, but So here we go. According to the United States Air Force, uh, right off their website, their official website, how many active B-52 bombers are in the United States Air Force inventory as of today? Oh, active, for Christ's sake. Active B-52 bombers. Okay, so what the B-52 bomber is, it's a Boeing B-52 Strato Fortress, subsonic jet-powered strategic bomber designed and built by Boeing, which has continued to provide support and upgrades. It has been operated by the United States Air Force since 1950s, and the bomber is carrying, capable of carrying up to 70,000 pounds of weapons. 70,000 pounds of weapons for um, our kilogram fans, 32,000 kilograms. Um, and Holy shit, that's combat. a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Kilograms. <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck. <laughs> Typical combat range of more than 8,800 miles. Uh, for reference, that's longer that than kilometers. <laughs> In kilometers, that's 1,400 kilometers. Uh, or no, excuse uh, me, 14,000. 14,000 kilometers. Um, but yeah, so that's almost double the length of the United States. So if you just went from, I don't know, mid-North uh, Carolina to like... Big California straight line, you know, three to four thousand miles, um, and this has a hundred miles. But anyways, the B fifty two bomber is the bomb that the <clears throat> the Americans um, would drop an A bomb with, as well as any bomb. Um, um, but anyways, how many active ones are in the United States Air Force as of today? Pappy, Yaga, closest to. I'll say. 250. 250. Stevie, what you got? Oh. Let's just get rid of that. Let's go 125. Nice. Okay. Well, Stevie wins. And uh, by quite a bit of. For Christ's sake. Yeah. So, according to the United States Air Force website, which, you know, why would the Air Force website disclose exactly how many they have? But maybe why wouldn't they? Anyways. They list 58. Oh, um, so Stevie wins. Yeah, That's it? right? Yeah. Yay, I, I won know. again. It's been so long. <laughs> been so long. So what you got, Stevie? What do you got in your arsenal? What's our next movie, baby? Okay, so this upcoming Saturday, I believe, is October 1st. So I decided yes. to kick off Halloween Spoilers Month. With not a scary movie, but a comedy. And Ooh. it's a comedy I hold near and dear. And it's called uh, What We Do in the Shadows. So we will be what spoiling the that. I've never it, heard of it. It's a mockumentary about three vampires living in New Zealand. <laughs> yes. And uh, awesome. Jermaine cool. from, uh, nice. from Flight of the Concords is in it. Uh, he's probably the biggest star, Brilliant. and it's. I think you guys will really like it. I'm pumped to watch it again and also spoil it. Brilliant! Awesome! Good to hear. Sweet. Well, this was a great episode of recording uh, season two, episode one, Doctor Strange Love, or 
how I learned to love or stop worrying and love the bomb. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> let me just uh, miss say that. Um, but yeah, great to have you guys on. Hopefully we'll have Mikey back for this uh, um, upcoming Halloween spook fest. And to all our listeners, we're sorry that we haven't had any content come out in a while. We're going to get there. We're going to push it out. We're hopefully going to have uh, two to three episodes here before Halloween to kind of spook your britches. Um, but uh, good to have you guys. Thanks for coming on, Stevie. Thanks for coming on, Pappy. Thank you for hosting. Yeah, thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Awesome. So there's a little awesome. bit of a uh, little bit of spoilers work we have to do. If you want to email us, it's podcast spoilers yeah. at gmail.com. If you want to tweet at us, it's at spoilers podcast at spoilers pdcst. Uh, Josh Hensley wrote our theme song of the band The Rutabaga. You can look them up on Spotify. And like Vince said, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, this is Spoiler Season 2. Season 2? It's arbitrary. <laughs> 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 and uh, we still want to give a, a thank to our uh, um, our first sponsor. Blah, blah, blah. Anyways, love you guys. <laughs> Talk to you later. This was Spoilers, Math Teacher Mark Math Paper. Thank you.